welcome to the Other Six Podcast, where we will discuss what it looks like to follow Jesus the other six days of the week. We'll discuss life, food, the recent sermon series of the North Liberty Church of Christ in North Liberty, Indiana. My name is Ben Webb. I'm a Connections Pastor here. And with me, I have Patrick Andrews. Hello. And Preston Stanley. Hello, hello. And so, uh, tell me about a new barbecue place, guys. Oh, uh, yeah. There's this new place that just opened up in Mishawaka called Mission Barbecue, not a sponsor. Uh, but we had it for lunch today. The staff did. Um, it's fine. <laughs> Ringing endorsement. Patrick, do you have anything <laughs> more to say about that? As not a meat connoisseur. I thought it was delicious. I had the chicken sandwich. I didn't have the full meat platter. The sausage I did steal off of Chris's plate was good. Um, but I didn't have like your staples that you would get at a smoke place. My staple is um, pulled pork. When I go to a, a, a barbecue place, that's the one that if they get good pulled pork, it's a good place. I know that's not like, it's not brisket, which is normally like what people that's would mine. to. That's mine. That's what I yeah. go to, yeah. For me, it's pulled pork. I love pulled pork. Um, I will say Mission has pretty good pulled pork, especially with the uh, that North Carolina vinegar sauce. Um, it's good. But my my big thing about Mission was I wasn't excited about any of their barbecue sauces. Like they had mm. six on the table, and I tried all of them. Keep I kept looking for one that I was like, oh, man, that's good. None of them really were exciting to me. In fact, I, I would have rather just eaten my whole meal without any barbecue sauces, except for that vinegar sauce uh, mm. was good on the pork. But mm. other than that, I, I kind of just wanted it dry, mm. which when you get dry barbecue, like that's fine, but it's it's not what I'm looking for when I go to a barbecue place. I, th- I thought it was fantastic. I'm, I'm from the South. I'm used to barbecue f- food and, and especially smoked meats. I like that. Um, and so I'm excited that they exist because now there's a, a more common option and frequent option. There's some, there's some other places in town that are really good, but it doesn't seem like they have the consistent hours. They're kind of all over the place and I don't, they don't always hit on my schedule. And so to have a place that's available is a win for me, but I don't know that I would go there unless yeah. I was just really needing some barbecue and they were the only place open at the time. Well, from Texas, you're more used to more of a drier barbecue anyways. Sometimes, yeah, it's, I mean, you don't want it to be dry. But, not but, not dry meat, but, like, their dry rub is the southern mm-hmm. barbecue. Typically typically speaking, like in, in Texas, if you're having a steak or if you're having any any kind of anything you're having off of a grill or whatever else, if you're putting sauce on the meat, it's because whoever cooked the meat screwed it up. <laughs> yeah. And so and so I, I today when we sat down, I, I got brisket, I got their uh, jalapeno cheddar sausage, and I got their smoked turkey. And they all had a decent flavor, and I tried them all individually without any sauce before I started adding sauce to them. And the the sausage was by far the best of the three things that I got. Mm-hmm. The coleslaw was fantastic. Macaroni cheese was really good. There was Mac- some interesting things about the macaroni great. cheese. Yeah, really yeah. good sauce. It was really good. And the cornbread was great. Um, and their sweet tea was actually sweet. That's important to me because that's not something that Northerners tend to do real well. So their their sweet tea was good. Sweet tea was great. Um but again, I, I don't know that I would go back there. I would like to try the chicken, though. You said you had that on the sandwich? Yeah, the chicken sandwich, was it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I put the uh, the smoky mesquite barbecue sauce that they had on there, and that it really was good. Okay. Yeah, so normally when we do staff meetings, um, we go to Chick-fil-A, 
and get chicken sandwiches, but we really wanted to branch out today. So Patrick went and got a chicken sandwich. <laughs> and that's not, that's not the first time that we've branched out and then all got chicken sandwiches. Yeah. We've done yeah. that before as well. Yeah. As well. Uh, meanwhile, I'm from Kansas city where Kansas city, well, I'm from, sorry, I'm from Missouri, uh, which is Kansas city home. Uh, where in Kansas city barbecue is very wet, very sweet barbecue sauces. So that's like, that's what I'm used to. That's the what I'm looking for more in a barbecue restaurant. And then even then, you've got St. Louis barbecue is a, a whole new thing, but it's also a very wet barbecue sauce uh, or, or barbecue style, um, a little bit more of a, a spicier um, barbecue style versus Kansas City. But both of them really sauce-heavy, sauce-dependent. So when you don't get a sauce that excites me, that makes me not as excited to, to dive into that meal. I get it. As a side note, anytime I've ever eaten with Tim and he's had a steak, he's made me angry because <laughs> it does not matter how good the steak mm -hmm. is or is not cooked. He will get steak sauce and he'll put it on it every single time. And it makes my skin crawl watching it because a good, <laughs> like, like very literally I've worked in steakhouses and, and like I waited tables in, in Joplin, Missouri at a steakhouse and the people who would ask for steak sauce, I would like roll my eyes at them. And, uh, and so anybody listening to this, give Tim a hard time about his steak sauces. But if you put steak sauce on your steak, it's fine. It's not a big deal. I mean, it's not what the about the world, but ketchup on your steak. Okay. All oh, right. Get yeah. out of here. All right. Hey guys, this episode of our, uh, of our, the other six podcast is sponsored, uh, or supported today by Church Encouragement Services. They are one of the missions that we support here at North Liberty Church of Christ. We want to highlight them. Church Encouragement Services exists to bring glory to God by building up His church according to their needs. Church Encouragement Services works with local churches to help strengthen their body by sharing how to motivate, delegate, deal with problems, create a vision, oversee, identify problems, plan, and equip. Most of all, Church Encouragement Services aims to help churches see God's direction for them and provide practical wisdom to implement that within their leadership and congregation. It's a great mission uh, led by Ransom Ebersol, who happens to be one of the elders at our church. A phenomenal group in the work that they do, and we're grateful for them and, and that we get to partner with them in that ministry. Let's talk some about this sermon series. Uh, Tim had... Uh, some incredible points that he made concerning prayer, some of the things that he was able to tell us and and brought up. And um, I think as we were talking about this earlier, one of the one of the things that we were discussing was just how sometimes we have some uh, flawed ways of thinking about prayer. And so some of that stood out to you, Preston. Some of that stood out to you, Patrick. And so so what are some of the issues that you've had in the past when you've thought about prayer and your relationship with God? One of the things that I've been trying to teach our students a lot over the last year or two. Uh, is that God is big enough to handle whatever you throw at him, but he's personal enough to care about even the small things. And I think a lot of times we have prayers that we feel like those are too small for God. Um, you know, when I was a kid, we would sometimes pray for like, you know, help me win a football game against this other team. And I always felt like those were not that they were too small, but I was like, wait a minute, what if the other team's praying too? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like God can yeah. only answer one of us. So do, I mean, does, do I just make God love me more so that <laughs> he'll answer my, my team's prayers instead? Um, but I think as I've matured in that and, and better understood my relationship with God, I realized it's not necessarily about um, God choosing sides or anything like that. But I think he does care if we pray to him about our football games because he cares about us. 
and he cares that you like football and he he wants to participate in that with you and so one thing that i've been trying to trying to communicate with our our students is there's no prayer that is too small for god because god loves you god cares about you even the stuff that you don't think he cares about but um you know if you like if you like video games um god cares that you like video games he he wants to be in that with you um if you like mission barbecue then that's important to him because he because you are, are important to god and so what you like is important to god so yeah maybe asking him to give you superpowers to win your your football game that that might be a little off track of what god's plan for you is but it doesn't mean he doesn't care about your football game because he does um so there's no what I've what I've grown to understand is there's no prayers that are too small for God because God loves you. I mean, you know, we talked about on Sunday, he's your dad. He's he's your father. And a father cares about the small stuff that's in your life too. A good father does. But at the same time, I also have always been scared to pray some things. Um there have been some prayers that I haven't wanted to pray because I haven't I didn't want to be disappointed. And it's not that you question God's ability, but you question his will, if I'm being honest with myself. And so there have been big prayers about, you know, a, you know, maybe a family member being deep, deep into a medical condition. And you kind of want to pray that God pulls them out of that. But you also don't you don't want to you don't want to admit that God didn't answer your prayer. And so you're kind of scared to actually say it out loud. Are you scared to actually pray that to God? At least that's where I've been before. Um, it's not that I think the prayer is too big for God, but the prayer is so big that, in my experience, the prayer is so big that I didn't want to be let down by God, and I didn't want, I didn't, I didn't trust, I didn't have enough faith that God would actually do something about it, and so I was scared to pray that that big prayer. And so then we've got this, you know, <laughs> there are some prayers that are too small and some prayers are too big, and so then we end up praying for our food. <laughs> at the dinner table and we pray for you know the small medical problems and we pray for other people um and we thank god for the sun or the rain or you know whatever weather he gives <laughs> us that day yeah. we're appreciative of those and that's kind of where sometimes it feels like you get stuck in this rut and that's where your prayers end because you don't know where else to go with it does that resonate with you patrick that definitely does and um i know growing up and being not mature with my faith um I would have that same issue where I would feel like um, this matter, this is such a small matter in my life and in the grand scheme of things of what's happening in the world is like um, God doesn't have time for that. Um, and like I've grown <clears throat> even just in this last couple of years um, that like Preston said, there is, there is no thing too small to pray for um, and to bring it to God um, no matter the situation. One of my favorite verses about prayer is Nehemiah 1.4, um, where he's in the presence of a king and he's disturbed about his his heritage and where his people came from. And um, and in that verse, it just he says that he took a second to pray before asking the king permission to go help and rebuild the, Judah. And um, um, just that... No matter how small or how big the prayer is, um, that you can also take the time at any time in the day and come to God with your prayers. You don't have to set aside a certain time. If there's something pressing on your life and your matter that you're going to go do right then and there, you can say a quick prayer. It doesn't always have to be um, like a show, putting on a show, um, like Tim said, um, 
to not pray like the Pharisees who put on a show in front of in the courtyards and everything like that. Like it can be a quick prayer. And for me, it's like, I do that every time I get out of my car walking into work. It's like, just give me a quick, quick prayer, talk to God. Um, so I, I completely resonate with the prayers too small and too big, but I always try to find that time. No matter how small the issue is, I, I come to God with it. I think the, the verse that is always, I think the verse that has always stood out to me um, and has helped me comprehend prayer at a different level has been the one, you know, very simply just pray continuously. Um, and I've, I've appreciated that because I've, I've grown up in church. And so prayer looked like your hat off, your head bowed, your eyes closed, your hands folded. And that's what prayer is. And it's very formal and it's very, uh, uh, in my mind, it becomes very mathematical, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's an equation of if you do these parts and then you say these words, then everything's good. And I think, you know, sometimes we start treating God like he's a vending machine. And, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis, we were talking about this earlier. He's kind of said some things in that line. I found this quote says, God is not a vending machine. God is a communion of persons. And so prayer then is not a form of payment. So, which sometimes that's what we do. We we pray to God like we're somehow giving him something, like we're giving him what he wants by praying to him, and then, and then somehow we're going to get something back out of that payment. So prayer is not a form of payment, but rather it's the language of a relationship. I think specifically when he's talking about the Lord Prayer, and Jesus starts it off by saying, Our Father. And using that language is not new to anyone who's been in a church building probably ever that's or, or not in a church building like that's very common language for us to call God our father um but but Tim pointed out that when that when Jesus said that first um that was not normal in, in fact most most people whether they were Israelites um or if they were Romans or you know whatever whatever religion they were tied to God was not a father. God was uh, God was someone who would give you payment or, 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 or give you what you need in return for payment. So, you know, for um, an example of some of the, the Roman gods or the gods that the Romans worshipped, you know, they would have, um, they would have like the God of, well, sometimes they would have gods of specific parts of their city. You know, we've, we've got that passage in Paul where like different sections of their city are all attributed to different gods and they would sacrifice to gods. Sometimes gods, they were like, I don't know what God is here, but I'm going to sacrifice to you anyways, because you're the God of this area. And in return for that, you know, God, like whatever God was there would, I don't know, protect that area or, or be in that, that area. They would also have gods of specific needs. So, you know, you've got the, for example, in Ephesus, you've got the God of fertility, uh, that you would pay that God by worshiping that God or goddess. And in return, that goddess would give you fertility. It would give you a child. Um, it was a very business-like transaction. So when Jesus said, our father, uh, that would have turned heads. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we, in, in 2021, we probably miss out on that a little bit because it's become common language for the church. Like, God is our father, our father in heaven. Like, that, you know, the Lord's Prayer has become almost a, like a, like it's in, it's in movies. It's like the Christian prayer, you know. And uh, and we just skim right past. Which is, which is kind of funny because as Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, it was, you don't have to have a formula for prayer. You should just be able to pray <laughs> yeah, like this. Yeah. And then what we do is, well, then we learn that prayer and we well, pray like that. Like, you know why? As if it's a formula. we don't know how to pray. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that, that's not new. The disciples didn't know how to pray. 
And since then, we still have a hard time praying. It's not a concept that's natural to humans, I don't think, to talk to somebody that you can't see. Um, and and, and I, I think that's an encouragement. You know, it, I've had troubles praying before. I have confidence that you guys have had troubles praying before. Um, and I know that there are people in our church that they're like, I don't know how to pray. Guess what? Neither did the 12 people who followed Jesus, like, for his entire ministry. They even had to ask, how do you pray? And then Jesus gave us a response, and sometimes that becomes a template for us. And I, he wanted it to be a template, but not a script, you know? Right, exactly. So, so there's an interesting combination here of things within, within the context of what Tim talked about. And so, uh, you know, one of the things you said earlier, Preston, was God cares that you like video games. Like he cares about the simplest of the simple things. Um, and he also cares about the big things in your life, the big heavy things that you carry. Um, and all of this now ties now to this idea that he's our father. He's not just some God out there that we make payment to. He's not just sitting out there waiting for us to do our part so that then he can do his part back to us or that we have to convince him by doing our part that we're worth his time to acknowledge or care for us, but that it's it's a much different relationship. It's the relationship of a father. And while that was very uh, maybe difficult for the you know the first century followers of Jesus to hear because that was so countercultural to what they'd experienced and, and even uh, generational what had been handed down to them about how you talk with God. While that was a foreign concept to them, um, the idea of being God our Father is not a foreign concept so much to us. I think we're more comfortable with that mm-hmm. within our culture and our context. However, we do live in a world where the word Father isn't always a positive word. It's not always a good experience. And so how do you think we then press into this space where we see God as Father, even though for us there may be some hangups that we're bringing along the line? Yeah, definitely. I can relate to that. I will will never talk bad about my father, but I couldn't come to him with small things or even big things in my life. I wouldn't come to him if I got in trouble at school or if I got pulled over. I remember specifically one time I got my first speeding ticket. And I was terrified to go to my dad to show him just because he didn't, he didn't like to communicate on, on that level. Like he, he didn't like to communicate. So we, I would learn to not go to my dad for things in that concept and thinking about that in terms of prayer that may have for me unconsciously kind of thought of the same thing where it's like, Oh, well, can't go to my dad for this. And it's like, well, I'm not going to bother God for that in that same situation. But I know for other people, I mean, my dad was not abusive or anything like that, but I can imagine for people who did not grow up with a, a loving father in their life to be told that God is your father, that can be a negative stigma. I'd have to do, I'd have to look more into this, but just thinking through in my head, the verses that refer to God as father, um, usually he's not just described as father, but as heavenly father. Um, that word heavenly or or something along those lines is usually partnered with that. I think that can be distinctive because um, we're looking at we're looking at God as someone he, he's our father, but he's so much more than what an earthly father could ever accomplish. Um, earthly fathers are important, and the Bible talks he, the Bible speaks into the importance of earthly fathers and being the leader of a household and leading your family, but then it puts God on a different playing field as a heavenly father who um, can do so much more than, than an earthly father could. And while, while an earthly father may let you down, 
Um, and there's examples of that in scripture too. But while an earthly father is, is flawed and can't be perfect and may let you down, your heavenly father never will and never can um, because he is perfect and he is holy and, and he is your heavenly father. But that father language is still important. I think it communicates authoritative power that he has, but also relational um, ability that God has. He's, he is your father. He is your dad. He is in charge. And what he says goes, just like in my house. <laughs> what, what dad says, this goes. You know, if dad doesn't like a restaurant, we don't go to that restaurant anymore because that's the one that's in charge. Mm-hmm. God's in charge. But he also wants to have that father-son or father-daughter relationship with you. There's a verse, Psalm 68, verse 5, says that a father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. And I think that's what he wants to be seen as, right? Like there's lots of language about father, you know, um, and, and different ways in which he's referred to. Uh, Ephesians 4, 6 says there's one God and father of all who's over all and through all and in all. And you, you see the language over and over and again that he, that he is to be seen as this, as his father, that there is a different relationship. And I can speak uh, similarly to, you know, Patrick and, and what you're sharing with your experience. My, I have a great father, very kind, loving, compassionate, wonderful father. And I was still terrified to take stuff to him, you know, and I screwed up. I didn't want him to find out mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, you know, the, to see my father angry or disappointed was devastating to me. And so there was a, there was, I never, I never saw my father as a resource to help me through life's most difficult moments. And that wasn't on him. That was on me. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. even, even this context. So even as we begin thinking about God and how we interact and how we how we relate to him. I think as we start talking about prayer and how we even talk to him, a lot of times these hangups are on us. It's not on God. It's not on what he has or hasn't done. It's that we have, we have sin and we're broken and we have guilt and we're scared and we're, we're like we're timid around him and we don't want to get caught and we don't want to be held accountable or or we don't want him to really fully know as, as, as if we could hide this stuff from him anyways. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're, it, it's us and our responses to him. And we try to keep him at an arm's length because, because then we're more comfortable. Yeah. And, and the reality is that's not the relationship that he's asked us for. Even however broken we may be, he wants us to see this. And I can say like, as a, as a father, as I'm looking at my children, one of the philosophies of parenting that my wife, Christine and I have adopted is that we want to have open conversations with our kids. We want to talk about things that are uncomfortable. We, we talk about things that we know other parents don't want to talk about with their kids. Yeah. We'll talk about with our kids, sometimes maybe even at an age a little prematurely for what they should be having those conversations. But we do it specifically because we're trying to create an environment where they feel like they can talk to us yeah. about anything. Because I want my kids to see me not as the authoritative one who's going to hold them accountable for their mistakes, but that I'm actually part of the solution to help get them through their mistakes. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I want a conversation. I want a relationship with them where they see me as their advocate, not as their accountability. Sure. Um, and I am. I am their accountability. I have that role. God has given me that role in their lives. He's given me the responsibility to raise them and to train them and to steady them when they get off course. Absolutely. But I, but I, I don't want them to see me as the iron fist. I want them to see me as the helping hand. Sure. To to try to pull them along, to teach them what is right, to help guide and and lead them. Um, and I think that probably also has something to do with what you think of, like, like uh, the famous passage of you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. Um, 
the shepherd's rod wasn't used to beat them. Like you didn't beat the sheep with it unless you had to, <laughs> you know, like I had to reach. And it, but most of the time it was gentle taps. It was guiding. It mm-hmm. was, it was, it was tenderness and compassion. And I think that's what it looks like. But unfortunately, like, like I understand that better now as a father, certainly than I did as a child, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah, those definitely. experiences. And I think that's part of how God uses this language to, to communicate these things. He, he reveals parts of who he is in context that we can understand. And to hear God as father is maybe complicated until you become a father. You know, those, those changes in relationships, those, those mixtures that happen, give us new perspectives to comprehend those details about God. Yeah, definitely. It, it is the, our natural instinct to want to hide. I think of uh, Adam and Eve who, I mean, God quite literally was their father. They didn't have, they didn't have human fathers. Um, they were, they were the OG. And, um, and when they sinned, they had the same reaction. They didn't feel like they could take that to God. And so they hid, uh, even though I think that they probably knew <laughs> that they couldn't hide very well from God. Um, I mean, he created them and he, and they knew that. <laughs> so hiding from him was pretty pointless. Um, but they tried because it's hard to, and I think that's a compliment to, the love that God shows us because we are so um, dependent on that love from God that the thought of messing that up is so hard. Mm-hmm. And I think that is true in an earthly sense too. You were saying you didn't want to disappoint your dad, Ben. You didn't want to uh, anger your dad because your dad was very loving and kind and, and you looked up to him and the thought of him being disappointed in you uh, was enough to make you scared to talk to him about that. And I think that's a good, a sign of partly a sign of a good father because they, they show love and you feel loved by them. And, and you're so dependent on that love that you don't want that to go away. Mm -hmm. And even though we recognize in words that God's love is unconditional, that doesn't change our fear. Sometimes I think that we're going to mess that up somehow. Yeah, you're right. There's a quote that real prayer doesn't come through gritting teeth, but falling in love. And I, and, and one of the one of the biggest keys that I've found in understanding God um, in this personal way is, again, all these other relationships I've had. Um, I've understood God as father more as I've become a father. And I've found that reaching my kids hasn't come by gritting my teeth and forcing them into what I think is right or obedience. It's in that falling in love with them, right? And and I found a wife not by forcing her to have to love me back or have that relationship, but in falling in love with her and allowing her to fall in love with me. And I think that we have to think of this relationship with God again. That you'll you'll find it easier to talk with Him as you fall more in love with Him. So long as you keep Him at an arm's length, or you keep Him out as this uh, as a set of rules or these standards, or you see Him as the as the obedience taskmaster then you're going to have a hard time talking to someone like that because why would you want to talk to someone who's mm-hmm. like that, right? Like that's just practically speaking, those aren't people you're going to want to go engage in conversations with more. Those are people that you're going to hold at an arm's length because they they make you they make you feel unsafe. They make you feel vulnerable. They yeah. make you feel hurt. And I think that gritting teeth is a good picture because especially an important one because we are so good at training kids from a very young age um, we don't do it on purpose, but we talk about prayer as if it's a chore. 
Mm-hmm. You do the dishes, you do your laundry, and you say your nightly prayers. Well, yeah, and growing up in, in like youth group, what, at the end of every lesson, well, what can we do about this that can help us grow closer to God? Well, we can pray more and we, read our Bibles. We, yeah, we can read our Bible <laughs> and we can pray more and we can, and uh-huh. we can keep going to church yeah. as much as we possibly can. Those, yeah. those are the answers mm-hmm. because, again, those are mathematical equations, things mm-hmm. we can just check off. Right. And so, you know, we that's what we're unconsciously or, or not on purpose, we're, we're trained to that from a very young age, that prayer is a chore. The prayer, is, prayer is the way that you get closer to God. And I agree, prayer can grow your relationship with God, but but prayer not out of love, uh, prayer just to check a box. Um, you know, some I, I, I've noticed myself in this realm before, praying before dinner. Like we, our family prays before every meal. Um, the other day, Caleb, who was is living with us, Caleb said something along the lines of, I don't remember it exactly, but something along the lines of, I'm trying to figure out which prayer is the shortest. And I was like, what? What do you mean by that? He's like, yeah, like which prayer is the short? Like when you thank God for the food, which prayer is shorter? <laughs> like what that tells me is my prayers are pretty structured. <laughs> when I pray for dinner, which I'm usually the one who prays for our dinner, uh, I'm I I not on purpose, but I've gotten into a routine of I do A B C D. Let's eat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I thank God for whatever has happened that day. I thank God for what's going on the next day. I um, I request maybe something from God that's that's going on in my world right then. Uh, I thank God for the food that's in front of us. I ask Him to bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. Amen. Let's dig in. And uh, and it's become very structured, and that's not what prayer was designed to be. Um, it's not through gritting teeth. It's not before we can eat we have to pray. That's maybe something good to teach your kids that you you thank God before your meals, but it's not a checkbox. Yeah. It's not a packing list. It's a relationship. It, it'd be like saying, "Well, we can't eat until we call mom," mm. or uh, you know, we we can't. Um, I mean, you, you could fill in the blank with anything, but, but it's a relationship. You, you don't, you don't have to do this because you have to do it. You do it because you want to invite God into that with you. You want to invite, you want to be appreciative and invite God into your meal with you because you love, because out of love for God, um, not out of requirement to be a Christian. Right. Yeah. And I think as, as parents, we train our kids, these recitable prayers, before going to bed, before eating your dinner and everything like that, to get them into a prayer relationship with God. But then we don't take that to the next step and explain prayer as a relationship is rather than, like you said, like through gritting teeth. And we need to take that step forward to think of prayer in a different way, um, where it's, it is that relationship with God rather than this just monotonous uh, thing that you do. And then sometimes you just get caught in a routine and you, you don't even mean what you're saying. You're just saying it because that's, that's the procedure. So Tim also spent a lot of time talking about the word hallowed and the role of God, not just as father, but the the location of God, at least within the context of this prayer that Jesus offers us, that we see God, not just as our father, but we see him as in heaven. And so what stood out to you from, from some of the things that Tim said in that regards? I like the the way that God or that Tim described God, hallowed being a league of its own, completely separate. Um, I, I didn't, I had never considered the thought that we don't have a better word for hallowed 
uh, we never have created a better word for it because there, there's no definition. Like, it's not necessarily a term of respect. It's not a term of um, authority or reveredness. Uh, it, I don't think that's a word I just said, um, but it's fine. Um, but it's, I mean, it's all of those and, you know, it's a league of its own. And, uh, I mean, it's a silly comparison, but it, there are other things in our life that we would say are in a league of their own, like that we would never even compare. And like, again, really simple, really bite-sized comparison. But uh, as an example, um, there's a, a restaurant in, in Joplin, Missouri that I love and adore, and it is now and will forever be my favorite restaurant. It's called Hackett's Hot Wings. It's the best place in on planet Earth. It, it really is, in my opinion. Um, anytime I've ever had hot wings besides that, it's not it's not Hackett's. Nothing can fill that void because, and again, it's my personal thing. That was the first hot wing I ever had. I didn't know what hot wings were. Someone invited me to go get hot wings, and I was like, what, like spicy chicken tenders? I don't know what that is. Uh, but I went, and I got them, and I was like, this is my favorite food now. Mm-hmm. And not just this, but Hackett's hot wings is my favorite. It's not hot wings are my favorite. I, hot wings are not my favorite food. Hackett's hot wings are. Then I've got a whole list of other <laughs> foods, and then I like hot wings after that. <laughs> yeah. um, because in my book, Hackett's hot wings are a league of their own. They're, they're different. They are the best. Um, nothing can compare. You can say like, oh, I went to B-dubs. It's like, oh, f- come on. <laughs> you know, B-dubs, really? Like, okay, fine. Like, they got a, a good flavor maybe, kind of like some days. But I when grew I go, up going to Hackett's. When I go to B-dubs, I get their burgers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's a really bite-sized, really simple thing that comes to my mind. But it's, it's just this idea that there is something that nothing can compare to. Like there's nothing else in the world that even gets close to the way that you see for me, Hackett's hot wings for you. Mm. It might be something different, but that's where God is, Mm. Where there's nothing that compares. You can't compare that to anything. You can't, um, you can't come up with, we can't even come up with better words for it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's entirely on its own, completely separated, completely God. Like that's, that's who he is. And I mean, God said this too, um, in, in the old Testament when God said, I am. He he is the I am. That's exactly what he said. Mm-hmm. He's saying, "There's not a better word for me. I am God." Mm-hmm. It's he's like, "What do you what do you want? What do you mean? What's my name? I'm God. Mm. I don't I don't have a name. I am God. You can't compare me to anything. You can't compare me to these Egyptian gods. You can't compare me to the god of the sun or the god of the sand. It's I am I am God, mm-hmm. and that's where God lives mm-hmm. in that realm." And I think that's a really powerful thing for us to remember and recognize. It's huge. And yet he wants us to call him father. Mm-hmm. Like that's where it really just gets mind blowing because I mean, if, if we tried to make comparisons, we could be like, uh, you know, well, uh, God, you know, the closest comparisons we could have to God would be like president or mm-hmm. King or, or, you know, the most famous person in the world. And as far and as distant as those people would be from me, if they came to me and said, Hey, I want you to call me dad. <laughs> mm, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that, yeah. you know, Mr. Biden or, yeah. <laughs> or, or uh, queen Elizabeth. I don't know. I'm going to call you mom right now. It's, I don't think we're quite there in our relationship. Right. And yet, and yet God who is in a league of his own completely separate from what, from what these earthly categories that we can create in our own mind. Um, for, for him to say, no, I want you to call me dad. Mm-hmm. That's just huge. It's significant uh, and, and so far beyond 
And that's, and again, I think that's now getting into his heart. He wants us to approach him. He, he doesn't want to be distance. Uh, he, he doesn't want to have separation. He doesn't want to, like he is separate. He is set apart. He is in his own league, but he doesn't want to live there alone. He mm-hmm. wants, he wants to be him. But with us, mm-hmm. he wants us in that relationship. Yeah, he could have been in his own world without us. Mm-hmm. I and mean, he created us. Mm-hmm. He consciously created us and designed this world around us. And he could have lived as God by himself. <laughs> you know, he, he could have done, he had for, I mean, infinity years, I guess, because God is timeless. But he wants us to be there. He wants that relationship. In fact, you know, when you try to look at the idea, of like, why did God create us in the first place? Because he wants a relationship. Yeah. If you've ever, it makes me think like some of the documentaries I've watched about famous figures or different things. And if they're, if their kids are a part of it and, and so you have them being interviewed and they're talking, they're talking about a famous person that everybody knows in the specific context that they know them, whether it's not, you know, I'm thinking like musicians and different things, but they caught, they talk about their dad. You know, they talk mm-hmm. about, they talk about their mom. They talk about that relationship. That's just very different. And it's awesome to see those conversations because it gives you a glimpse as a, as a fan or someone on the outside, it gives you a glimpse in a fuller uh, picture of who that person was. And we have that with our God. Uh, Preston, what's one thing that you're taking away from this sermon? The, the one thing that I think I'm, is going to stick with me the most after this is the set-apartedness of God and the, um, the idea that he is completely in a league of his own and one of the things that Tim said was, you know, we like to say, but God's on my side. Um, God's on God's side and we are on God's side. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's God. He's, he's not on my side. He is for me. Um, but that doesn't mean that he is my, that doesn't mean that we have a business relationship and I'm hiring him to do what I need him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, he is God. He is going to do what God does. Uh, when God does it, because it's it's Him, um, and I think it's important for me to just kind of. I think it's important for me to see how that relationship is important to me, and it should be important to me, and it's rooted in love. But it's also about partnering with God and His kingdom and His vision for what His plans are. Um, he's going to see it through no matter what, and. I can get on board with that and I can join God in that, in his mission um, because it will be the one that's victorious. Patrick, what about you? What stood out? Yeah. Tim had spent a little bit of time talking about how prayer is essential in day-to-day life and at all times, but there's also these pivotal moments in your life, um, big changes or um, even just uh, unforeseen futures and um, that you need to be praying at all times, and uh, a lot of the time when you come to these pivotal moments, you actually, you realize how you should have approached it um, in prayer and everything in hindsight, where it's already passed. Um, so for me, it was really eye-opening to like, really, you need to just be praying at all times and like always being in communication with God and, and reaching out. He's your father. He's there for you um, to take to take on our burdens and and listen to us, um, no matter how big, how small the situations. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to like focus in on that and really bring everything to him and not have to think about something in hindsight that I should have done. It's just, I, it should be my first instinct then to come to God. What about you, Ben? 
So one of the images I have of prayer comes from uh, from my dad. Now my dad didn't wasn't really the kind of person who would talk a lot about his spiritual disciplines, uh, but my mom was sharing with me one time. Of, you know, she knew him better than I did, and does know him better than I do. And she was sharing with me, you know, my, my dad for his job has always required him to drive a lot. He's not like a truck driver, but w- the kind of work he does requires him to be in a vehicle for hours a day, uh, going around to the different jobs that he does. And my mom shared with me about how much time my dad spends praying, like in his vehicle as he's driving around praying. And that's always stuck with me because of the the casualness of this. And, and, and that kind of a prayer life, you can't, you can't look at God as if he's some dignitary, you know, like he's some, he's some unapproachable something to just be able to talk to him while you're driving in the truck. You know, I mean, that's, that takes a relationship that takes a, that, that takes us away from the idea again of the folded hands, the eyes closed, the head bowed, the hat off to be able to honor God. As I talk to him, you can't do that when you're driving down the road, man, your, your eyes need to be open. (laughs) You need to be paying attention where you're going. And it's a cat. It's not a formal, you know, it's not a suit and tie situation. This is you just talking to your buddy while you're driving down the road. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved that picture I've had of my dad and the way in which he would pray. And I've, and I've held that. And I can tell you, I, I sometimes drive and talk to God like I'm being interviewed or like I'm doing a podcast or, or like, um, or like I'm interviewing God mm-hmm. and I got questions and I've got, I've got ideas and this things come into my head. I say them out loud and, and I have conversation with him and I appreciate the aspect of, of this sermon that Tim, that Tim preached with the idea of that relationship, that personal aspect of God is our father, man. He's he's, it should be as easy to talk to him as it is to talk to anything else. You know, any easy conversation, uh, he's right there. He, it should be that simple. And it's not about what you're saying. It's just that you're saying something that you're just talking to him and sharing life. And there's a lot of great value there. We want to thank you for joining us here on our episode of The Other Six as we look at the other six days of the week and how we can best follow God, not just in listening on Sunday morning, but how that can actually invest and be a part of our lives daily. And I want to thank Preston and Patrick for joining me today and having these conversations, opening up a little pieces of their life and being vulnerable and sharing some of their stories. So thanks for listening. As always, if you've got some input or some questions or ways in which you want to keep this discussion going, please reach out. Go to our website, northliberty.cc. At the top of every single page on our website, you will find a little tab that says connect with us. Click on that and and follow the steps necessary to begin those conversations with us. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to involve you in this conversation. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you Sunday.